Well met, friends. I'm Jude Vase. And I'm Steph Midlock. Welcome to Atherbeth, a podcast exploring the soulful soundscapes of Tolkien's Legendarium. Hey, so as you all might know, Jude and I were able to go to Axenmoot last month and we had a great time. We presented a panel called Tolkien and New Media, which we will be sharing with you here uh, on the podcast. But because uh, we do talk about struck work a little bit during the panel, we're going to hold off until after the SAG after strike is over. So we're going to ask you to just stay, stay patient, keep your ears peeled, and we're all crossing our fingers that their strike will be over soon. Yeah, I think with the with the WGA having knee dropped the, the studios last week uh, or two <laughs> weeks ago, by the time this is out, I'm optimistic that SAG will get its deal soon. So. Yeah, yeah. So hopefully we won't have to wait too much longer for that um, because it was a really excellent panel. Um, But this month, this actually works out great for us because this month we have a very, very special guest joining us uh, and the timing worked out perfectly. So without further ado, let's get into it. We've got many melodic paths to tread. So let's begin. Our guest today wears many hats. He is a composer, a sound engineer, an educator, a podcaster, a podcast editor, and a Tolkien fan. He's the creator of A Long Expected Soundscape, and he's currently running a Kickstarter for his current project called An Unexpected Soundscape and A Soundscape of Aya. We can't wait to chat about this new exciting project and all things Tolkien. We're so excited to welcome to Atherbeth today, Jordan Runnels. Hi! Hello. Hi, Jordan. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for being here. Excited to chat about the soundscape as much as I can. Yay! <laughs> this is amazing. Well, we're excited to have you here. Before we have you introduce all of your projects, because we're very excited to talk about them, you're doing some really exciting stuff, we'd like to get to know you a little bit and your journey as a Tolkien fan. What first got you into Tolkien? For me, I was at the age where the movies kicked everything off, but more importantly, the the making of for those. mm seeing how everything was built, I was like, whoa, this is, you know, that kind of kick-started being interested in how sound design happened, how music was made, and then, you know, getting into Star Wars and the same thing for Star Wars, how all that was made. That was what really kind of intrigued me. And then I discovered the audiobooks a little bit later, and uh, I was like, whoa, so much more story um, than what I was first introduced to. <laughs> and so I was like, this is crazy. It's like an extended extended version of the, of the extended movies that I've seen. That's kind of where everything started. And uh, obviously big fan of Howard Shore's music. And I, I went to school for sound engineering. So um, throughout the years, I've been, you know, working on doing sound effects, doing my own music and things like that. But Tolkien has always been in the background, you know, as as uh, probably the main fandom that I've been interested in. And that kind of cascaded into discovering the Prancing Pony podcast and then eventually becoming the editor for the Prancing Pony podcast, um, which has cascaded into all of these other things. So that's kind of where uh, the journey started. That's great. I have to ask because this is one of a thing I, I am always curious about 
the Silmarillion audiobooks. Do you have a strong opinion about the old Silmarillion audiobook, the one uh, <laughs> that is not not the new one uh, narrated by Andy Serkis? Martin Shaw's audiobook. Martin Shaw. But it's I know it's a divisive subject. Uh, not everybody loves his narration of it. I personally uh, am a fan because it was I listened to it way back in the day and it was very sort of inspirational. But also I, I recognize that it's his pronunciations are a little hit, hit or miss and it's very <laughs> melodramatic in places, which I like. But uh, I'm curious as a sound engineer and as someone who's probably a lot more aware of what goes into these things i'm curious what your opinion of it is yeah um i mean that's the one that i listened to originally of course and i haven't spent like relatively speaking i haven't spent as much time with the silmarillion kind of obviously because lord of the rings has been the focus for so long mm. but uh i have a I have a really good friend who some talking people might recognize him as chad in texas that's how he goes by and he is like the pronunciation guy he knows all of it and mm. so i've had his influence on me <laughs> about that audiobook and uh, the andy circus one is not perfect either but uh, it is better in that regard personally though that kind of thing doesn't bother me i can move past it pretty fast so i do like how that one's read how it how the feel that it has but i do have to say that the narrators for the Unfinished Tales, Baron and Luthien, Fall of Gondolin, all of those, that's Timothy and Samuel West. Those two are my choice out of all the narrators easily because what they, I don't know if you're familiar, but what their setup is, is that the son, I'm not going to remember which one is which, but the the son reads Tolkien's parts, the actual story, oh, whereas cool. the father reads Christopher's parts. That's fascinating. It's really good. So if you if you go to those audiobooks and listen to the son read Silmarillion passages, you're like, oh man, we should have gotten this guy to do the whole thing because <laughs> he he's he's I don't know, the, the pronunciations are better, but also he has that same kind of Martin Shaw gravitas almost, you could say. Mm -hmm. um, I just think it works really well. I don't know if it would work for the Lord of the Rings. Uh, for something more lighter-hearted, but uh, for for some early and stuff, yeah, I would choose them for sure. That's but, fascinating. Yeah. I haven't listened to any of those audiobooks. Um, you got to check it out. But I'll have to check those out. I'm, I'm, that sounds really fascinating. I'll have to I'll have to look into that now. It's the best way to do those. It makes me wish that we could all band together as a fandom and say we want history of Middle Earth. But uh, oh yeah, it's probably not going to happen. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, that, that would be, be amazing. <laughs> a relatively niche crowd that would want audiobooks of the histories but, but like uh, all 10 of us would be like this is amazing <laughs> <laughs> and finally oh get through these <laughs> i know i know can you imagine all the weird footnotes on footnotes on footnotes oh, oh boy i would That'd listen be... to it over and over though if it was an audio form right yeah oh my gosh me too i yeah. would love to get a like an audio production of the atrabeth um oh yeah that would be dope. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Yep. Wishful thinking. Right. Well, maybe can you tell us a little bit about like your personal journey with music? Sure. Sure, sure. Yeah. I started playing when I was young. I, when I was in grade seven or eight, I started playing saxophone um, because that's what uh, you had to do 
Um, but also my sister had played in the, in the bands and stuff. So I thought it was cool. Um, my dad played guitar. So that got me into guitar. Um, and then very quickly I learned, uh, about a bassist named Victor Wooten and I saw a couple videos and I was like, wow, I want to play bass. This is super cool. Um, and the cool thing about that is Victor is as good if, if not, you know, you could argue almost he's a better teacher than he is a musician and he's an amazing musician. So I was introduced very early on to Victor's way of learning and teaching and things like that. And so from an early age, I was interested in teaching and in music kind of together. So from that early point on, I was doing those kind of things, learning these philosophies and and really focusing on, you know, when someone goes to to music lessons, when they want to learn piano or violin, especially, often those are taught the way they've always been taught because it's been around for so long and we've kind of established this is the, the best way to teach this instrument. And I was always interested in what if we taught a different way? What if we approached it a different way? What if we approached understanding music from a different point of view? And uh, so that kind of led me on this journey of, you know, kind of discovering music theory in a way where I was like, do I really know what this means or am I just regurgitating the terms that everyone else has taught? Um, so lots of time spent going to Victor's camp in Nashville, meeting his brothers who are also amazing musicians and just kind of learning on my own. And that kind of, to, to tie it all together, from an early point, I, I always wanted to, to do movie scores, right? Uh, that always seemed like the ideal you know, way of expressing yourself musically. And so I also really loved audiobooks. And I, from an early point, I was always like, you know, why don't you just, because the movies are great, but like I said earlier, it's always like, yeah, but there's so much more story. So why don't we just do all the movie things with the, with the real version, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, that's how I saw it. And I saw this potential of what you could do. And I remember I did a little test for somebody. I think we did a chapter or two of Sherlock Holmes. And I added in some sound effects and stuff like that to it and uh, some guitar and things. And it, it worked out pretty cool. And I was like, hmm. And then, I, you know, that bounced around in the background for a couple of years. And then I launched a podcast uh, called The Music of Middle Earth. And I was exploring Howard Shore's themes one by one. You know, every theme uh, that's been on pause for a little bit while I've worked on the soundscape. But uh, all of that led to me doing the Council of Elrond project, which was, some people might have heard it, but basically I took the Council of Elrond and I got voice actors for every role, which is a lot if you know that, that <laughs> chapter. And uh, just as a fun kind of Tolkien reading day, I think is when we launched some of it. I can't remember. But uh Everybody, you know, just fans, people recording with their phones, um, not the best quality. We all, you know, recorded our lines. I scored the whole thing, put sound effects in and, uh, and put that on my podcast feed just for people to see what the experience could be like and to have, you know, a fully dramatized version without, without abridging it in any way. <laughs> 
right? Because mm. I never thought you needed to do that. I never understood why anyone would want an abridged version of these things. Um, there's an abridged audiobook of The Hobbit by Mar uh, read by Martin Shaw, actually. Um, and I was like, this is weird. Why would I want parts of it cut out? <laughs> so yeah. anyways, I did the Council of Elrond and it worked I decently well. And that led to this idea of, you know, it would be amazing to do this for the full audiobooks. And you obviously run into the hurdle of, okay, how am I ever going to get the rights to do that? The answer is never, um, <laughs> most likely. So then I said, well, what if I just take out the narration and just do it without? And that spawned the idea of the soundscape um, to take everything that I wanted to do musically and sound effects wise and ambience wise. Because again, it's explaining the soundscape. It's hard to get this across initially, but it's not just music, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much more to it. And we'll hear some examples of that later on, but uh, sound effects, it's, it's ambient environments and things like that. And yeah, you can take it and you can listen just to it. And, you know, people like us that know the story, um, will know where they're at pretty much the whole time just by listening without any narration. You can read along with it. You can, uh, you know, if you've purchased your copy of the audiobook, then you can put the two of them together and kind of get the experience that I'm talking about. But yeah, people use it for D and D nights and things like that, you know, <laughs> lots cool. of fun, fun ways to use it. So that was, was a bit of a tangent. I was going to say that but, sounds uh, amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is so fantastic. I love that. I love the word you use, soundscapes, because you're right. That totally does, you know, take the music, but then also the Foley work that you do and all the bits and put them together so <laughs> yeah. that you're sort of in that headspace. I, I think that's amazing. I mean, music has this fantastic way of transporting people beyond themselves, right? And you mm -hmm. feel like you're there when you're like having a moment, you know, I, I do that. I put up, I've been known to put on some headphones and walk like with the game of Thrones soundtrack and like walk around my house being dramatic, you know, it, like it, color, it colors everything that you see and uh, you almost can't help it. And it's pretty, uh, you know, it's interesting because I through through making the soundscape for the Lord of the Rings, I've especially come to notice certain smaller, you could say moments throughout the books that kind of catch you differently because I've had to score them or I've had to put sound effects with them and you know things like that and you start to appreciate the the decisions that have to be made and then how you know because you think about it I don't know if we want to go into the details of the soundscape right now but certain chapters can be an hour long or more and so how do you you know, that's many, many movies worth of scoring. And I will say like the whole thing is not scored second to second because that'd be too much. But, you know, you have a big battle at Helm's Deep, let's say. Lots of score, lots of sound effects, lots of sound effects. And then when we get to Flotsam and Jetsam, that chapter is there, in my opinion, from Tolkien to let us regroup and, and have a little moment with the hobbits to relax and to to like decompress after all this crazy stuff that just happened. And so when you tackle that musically and sound effects wise, you know, at first you're like, oh, while he's telling the story of the ends, we should have sound effects and everything like that for that. And I went against doing that because 
it takes away the rest mm. that, um, that the chapter is meant for, right? Okay. So, you know, there's a lot of really subtle foley in there because they're smoking and things like that. And um, there's music, but for the most part, it's just quiet. You know, the, the, the water around Isengard and things like that. And uh, it's interesting trying to score something that is, you know, 63 hours long, the ebbs and flows of that. And, you know, when the score needs to be calm, when it needs to be big and, and, complex and things like that so awesome challenge though yeah i know that you you have i'm reading a little bit about your various projects and maybe you can kind of present the projects to us i know you sure. do a lot of research um for them and but can you tell us a little bit about like what goes into that that research section that you do and that that part of the project definitely that's uh you know i could do that kind of thing all the time you need some breaks from writing music because it just gets too much. But the research part, I could do, you do endlessly because I love thinking about these types of things. So we take let's let's do a little walkthrough. Let's say of chapter one. We'll just start with chapter one. So I listen through, and I start by tempo mapping it and putting scenes down. So you know we start with the narration. And then when it finally switches to kind of in-world, right, after the narrator does his whole intro of who the hobbits are and who Bilbo is, etc., and we switch to the hobbits gossiping, right, that's scene one. And then from the hobbits gossiping until Sam leaves is scene two. And then we keep going like that through the whole chapter and marking out the start and end of each scene and the speed that I want the music to be, the tempo that I want the music to be for each one of those. After that's done, I usually go in and put placeholders for the sound effects. So just a marker that says from here to here, we need Gandalf's fireworks. From here to here, we need wagon sounds. From here to here, blah, 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 throughout. So that they're separated by scene, right? And then same thing with the ambience. You know, it's Shire Day from here to here. The ambience is usually simpler in concept, right? But again, separated scene by scene so that we can get the day to night transitions, everything like that. So that's just laying out the framework of it, right? Then I have to go through and I have to decide which sound effects are hard effects, things that I'm not going to record myself, like a wolf sound or something I don't have you know, a wolf out back that I can go record, you know? <laughs> uh, so hard effects like that, I have to find them. I have to find the ones that I like. You know, I have to find a horn for Boromir that suits him, things like that. So I, that's one phase. I have to collect those. Then I have to decide what's Foley, so what I'm going to actually record myself. And I have some plugins that help me with that, to like um, fabric movement and stuff like that. But yeah, so which ones I'll do physically, and then the ambiences, you know, I have samples of wind or water and stuff like that, but some of them I have to go and record myself. So I have a 3D uh, ambient mic that I use. Wow. And, uh, you know, I've driven out to one of the parks near here and recorded uh, pretty much all of the Shire ambiences from there. Um, so I just went out for a couple hours and recorded. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's um, amazing. One of the coolest parts that I used that 3D mic for was 
uh, I put it in my canoe and canoed for a little bit down this place that looks exactly like the Anduin. Wow. And so <laughs> so uh, I, I don't have one of those samples today, but uh, in the Great River chapter, um, you can hear the paddle on your right side and then your left side as you're as you're headed down. So that's oh, actually that... me in the canoe. I have a that's wooden so canoe, cool. so it worked out perfectly. <laughs> so that's all the kind of steps of doing that. And then there's a whole other process for you know, writing the music, which is how does this scene feel? What are the characters that are there? And you know, do they have their own themes? There's over a hundred themes of different characters and variations that I've written. There's a very different theme for Pippin in the beginning versus Pippin when he's uh, in book five and six, right? So there's a lot of development and there's characters we never saw in the movies. Those get their own music and things like that. We get to spend time in Tom Bombadil's house and hear what some some uh, some Goldberry music sounds like and oh, things like that, you know? She's so <laughs> hot. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> That's so, awesome. Uh, so yeah, huge, I mean, the, the music is like a whole separate research phase of and the thing that's hard to get across to people, I think, is the amount of just conceptualizing that is the, the most difficult part, right? Getting the sound effects and stuff like that is a very kind of routine for me. You know, it, it is what it is. And you have to, especially for Tolkien, there's not like, it's not Wheel of Time where I have to design fantasy sound effects um, or Harry Potter spells or things like that, right? The magic is very subtle and natural sounding or feeling. So, you know, if it's a battlefield, it's going to sound like a battlefield. It's not going to sound like a fantasy battlefield. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, but the music, you have to conceptualize it, right? You have to think Aragorn, uh, sorry, Strider's theme transitioning to Aragorn's theme. How is that going to happen? When's it going to happen? You know, when we're when we're canoeing down the Anduin and Frodo looks over at Aragorn and he's like, who's this guy? <laughs> this looks like a different person. And you hear a bit of Aragorn's theme there, you know, not Strider's theme. Wow. And so I've been really lucky to have, you know, time listening to Corey Olson, time listening to the Prancing Pony podcast and, you know, all these amazing resources kind of in the background while I'm thinking about these chapters, you know. Um, and if anyone knows Coriolson's Exploring the Hobbit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the whole Toucan Baggins journey is going to be very interesting to tackle for the new soundscape. You know, when is it Toucan? When is it Baggins? How do they fight each other? Um, when does one win over the other? Things like that. Oh, I love so, that. Yeah. So you have done, all right, so the current one that's out is for Lord of the Rings. Is that right? Yeah. And that, and that is the um, long-expected soundscape. So that was that project is wrapped up already. So everybody yeah. can go right now and find that 96 hours worth of material. <laughs> 63, but yeah. Wow, that's amazing. But, and so tell us about the current, yeah, so we touched on it just now, but tell us about the current Kickstarter that's happening right now. Definitely. Yeah, for this, our project. This is the follow-up. So, okay. Uh, an unexpected soundscape and a soundscape of Ea. So the Hobbit and the Silmarillion. Wow. Um, kind of combined in one. And I will say, um, if things go really well and my stretch goals start to get hit, then the first stretch goal is to do Baron Luthien. Mm, um, nice. And then 
follow Gondolin, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But for, for the main project, yep, yeah, The Hobbit and The Silmarillion. So I can explain briefly what what you actually get when you if you purchase the one that we just talked about for Lord of the Rings or if you back the Kickstarter. When you get it, you get the full set of files. So we said 63 hours, but you could times that by five or six because of the variations of the files. So you get the full version that has the score, sound effects, and ambience. But you can also, there's files that are just ambience. There's mm-hmm. files that are ambience and sound effects if you prefer. There's just score. And there's all these different variations of it so that if you're having a D&D night and you want some Shelob's Lair ambience, you know? Oh, but Then you cool. can just have that without the score, right? Oh, that's and awesome. we were uh, talking a bit beforehand about chapter lengths and how a lot of people when they play D&D, they have to get, or, or Lotro or any of these kind of games, you'd have to get a looping thing, mm-hmm. something that you can loop. But, you know, as an example, Treebeard's chapter is two hours long. So, you know, the ambience for that on its own (laughs) is probably fine, you know. So you get all of those um, and it's accessible as a podcast feed, a private podcast feed. So you can just get it on your phone and listen wherever you go, you know, pop on the King of the Golden Hall or whatever you feel like um, and just listen. You can get the actual files themselves from a private Google Google Drive as well. Um, and like I said, I have a on my Discord, I have a guide for people that want to sync it with their copy of the audiobooks as well to kind of get that full immersive experience. And that sounds a little intimidating for people, but it's pretty much you put the two files together and re-export it. You don't have oh. to finick around at all. Nice. Um, so yeah. it's really simple. And I've walked people through how to do it on Zoom, so... Uh, nice and easy. Um, I also have, I don't have any handy, but I have these wooden USBs that are really fun that, uh, that have all the files on them too. If people want a physical thing, they can they can do that. A little tangible cool. thing to put <laughs> in your nest. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Um, I will say quickly that there are, on the Kickstarter, you know, because you could just wait till the Kickstarter, till the project is finished and still get it because it's still going to be released. But- you can have production roles, which means that a lot of my Kickstarter people from the first Kickstarter are voices in the Prancing Pony or their yeah. Ent voices or their Orc voices or things like that throughout the project. So mm. uh, a lot of people contributed that way. And uh, also, if you are interested in getting all of it, the whole Legendarium kind of collection, there is a tier for that. So you can... Get the Hobbit and the Silmarillion if you're new, and get the Lord of the Rings, but do it through the Kickstarter so that you help me get to my goal. But also, like as soon as the Kickstarter is finished, you'll get access to Lord of the Rings right away. Don't have yeah, to wait. Yeah, that's straight. the one I so, did. did that, I was yeah. like, that's the one I need because I, I this is my first time hearing about this whole project, so I'm yeah. I'm so excited for that tier. <laughs> yeah. So can I'm I sure. Ask, it's, yo, go ahead, June. I was going to just ask. I'm sure it's hard to choose you you invest so much love and effort into a project like this do you have a a favorite track or a track that you're particularly proud of from the uh the long expected soundscape i think that if i were to choose i mean can't spend too much time thinking about it because as soon as i start thinking about it i'll be like oh i really love this moment in treebeard <laughs> or i really love this moment here and here it depends but overall 
musically again because sound effects wise i'll choose the pelinor fields but mm. music wise i would probably have to choose the very last cue of the entire thing um which is from frodo and sam saying from fr from sam figuring out what the deal is here that frodo's on his way out um to the very end when sam gets home um it's kind of a 13 or 14 minute long piece and this is i wanted to point this out because it's a different experience from seeing the movies because you know i obviously i'm influenced by howard shore and i'm trying to make things sound a little bit like howard shore without using his themes because people want that like people want it to be familiar so i'm not going to purposefully try and be different for the sake uh -huh. of being different um but with that in mind i get to tackle things differently so when the whole thing ends Yes, it's very emotional and it's very sad, but it's also, I wanted it to be hopeful, you know, because Sam comes back and he gets to move on. And so there's a, there's maybe a little bit of extra hope in that, in that piece of music than the people would expect, but I think it works really well. And I was really uh, proud of how that ended up coming out. So I would probably choose that as my, my piece of music for That's sure. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. You connected directly to something else I was going to ask, which was about the Howard Shore, the yeah. inescapable Howard Shore influence. Uh, whether you found that a a restriction or whether you were how you felt about that, because what for better or for worse, that's he he sort of has set the the audio the sort of the audio tone for what sort of the 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 way that the Jackson movies kind of influenced what people think the lord of the rings universe looks like mm. howard shore very much set what people think the lord of the rings and fantasy movies in, in a lot of ways sound like every, mm -hmm. you know the same way that every fantasy movie after the lord of the rings kind of looked like lord of the rings to this day still a lot of fantasy movies still sound like howard shore is writing right right um as a quick aside i do want to mention that i think that Wheel of Time is doing an amazing job of stepping away from that score and that style of scoring into like a new fantasy, uh, a new way of handling a fantasy score. And I think it's amazing. Really well done. Um, I'll have to check that but, out. I haven't, uh, I have like no context for Wheel of Time, so I haven't uh, watched it yet, but I'll have to check, check it out and listen. It's worth it. It's worth it. Season, cool. season one was COVID restricted, but season two has taken a massive jump up in all forms of the production but nice. anyways uh, and the books are super worth it <laughs> um so anyways talking about howard shore i haven't watched the movies in years since i started this project purposefully kind of obviously to avoid you know i can't i can't the, the hobbit the concerning hobbits theme is something i'll never forget but um the elven themes i i'm they're kind of like on the edge of my memory now um, and mine pop into my head more now which is nice but the main thing that when i started off doing this is and what i tested in that council of elrond thing that i mentioned you can if i choose let me reframe because the lord of the rings movies are so long by the time you're done them, 
all you need to do, all Howard Shore needs to do is have a solo French horn for it to feel like it's Gondor. Or for, you know, light strings and a flute to sound like it's Hobbits. So all I have to do is that. And it yeah. still sounds and it still feels that way. So all the Hobbits are strings and flutes and things. The elves have strings, but they also have some brass and and a lot of choir. Um, Gondor is mostly horns and brass. As soon as I do those kind of things, it feels right to me and to people that have heard it, it seems. So uh, there's a lot of kind of easy ways because he's established these things so clearly that you can, you know, if it's in the same key and it's in the same instrument, then it feels that that uh, that same feel as his did. Um, and I'm not, you know, there's no copied melodies or anything like that. It's hard to do that even. Like it's okay. hard to to do that by accident. Even I found because it would be too recognizable. You know, like you'd you'd instantly know that I was trying to do that. So, you know. But also the the characters in the books are different, and they go on different journeys sometimes. And so Faramir's theme is very perfect. You could say it's very clear. It's you know it's very precise. It's very different from Boromir's theme. Denethor's theme has a little bit of of Aragorn's kingliness in it, but it's kind of off and kind of weird. And it's got a layer of Boromir in there that you know tries to take over a little bit. So there's a lot of, like I said before, you know, what does the music sound like when you're at Tom Bombadil's house? Because we never even got anywhere close to that in the movies. Uh-huh. So, you know, my, and this is why I talked about earlier, conceptualizing it all is the big thing. Yeah. Because when we get to Tom's house, again, we've just gone through this craziness beforehand. You know, a lot of, first of all, a lot of Hobbit music and a lot of Hobbit shenanigans to get to Tom's house. (laughs) And all of the music in Tom's house usually only comes when Tom is not speaking, almost as if it's echoing out from him, Mm. you know? So, you know, most of the sound in that chapter is, is we get this really nice kind of harp, Goldberry music, and then Tom is kind of the, his own music, like his voice is his music. So I don't try to score over him, you know. And then when Goldberry's washing day comes, there's all this nice harp stuff. But yeah, for the most part, the, the music is Tom. So I didn't want to score it that same way. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, a lot of cool decisions like that. But yeah, the characters are different. So it didn't even really make sense to think of it the same way as Howard Shore did other than feel and, and instrumentation. Yeah. Um, yeah. That definitely yeah, makes cool. sense. So with your current projects, you've got The Hobbit and The Silmarillion, which are uh, tonally quite different from one another, <laughs> right? We always, Jude, Jude's thing, if you don't mind me saying Jude, Jude always says The Hobbit is a little bit like fairy fan, fairy tale fan fiction, right? <laughs> yeah, that's it's my It's for children. It's much line, lighter. Yes. Yeah. And then yeah. The well, Silmarillion is like, hold on. It's not because it's for children. That's not why <laughs> no, I call it fairy tale fan fiction. That was a period in the start of a new thought. <laughs> okay, all right. But so, and then the Silmarillion, right, is like the other side of that. I, I would yeah, say completely the opposite. Totally. Yeah. So, I guess I wanted to ask you, like, are there any sort of specific parts of maybe the Silmarillion over the Hobbit that are really challenging to translate into music? 
our our thoughts immediately go to like the Ina Lindelay, the music of the Einor. Ina Lindelay will be the biggest thing mm-hmm. that I do. Um, interestingly, though, you know when you read it, and luckily for me, Andy Circus reads insanely slow, so I kind of <laughs> bought a little bit more time. But uh, it's not that long, right? And so I have to do a lot in a really l- short amount of time. Mm. But you know, this is why I wanted to do these projects kind of together because they're complete opposites conceptually. The Hobbit is going to be very close-up sound effects most of the time, and a very small score, whereas the Silmarillion is very abstract sound design with a huge score and a very classical score, you could say, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the Aino Lindelay is going to be interesting, but it's it's another example of I'm just going to, like what I did with The Lord of the Rings a lot of the time was I'm just going to do what it says. Mm-hmm. Like, Dino Lindelay, basically, for someone who's super music fluent, hopefully, that I am, it tells you pretty much what it should be. And so, again, instead of trying to be all clever or whatever, I'm just going to do what it says. And, you know, when there's braying horns that come in, I'm going to do that, you know, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to make it a little self-indulgent and, uh, you know, fancy for the sake of being clever. I just want to do what it says and and try and get that feel. I'm probably going to do that last, even though it's the first thing. I'll do it at the end of everything when I've kind of got all the themes and I want to, you know, take the themes that I've written for The Hobbit and, and The Lord of the Rings and see if I can retroactively, you know, get them in there. Mm-hmm. in some way but uh so that's going to be a challenge for sure but i think that there's going to be more interesting interesting sound effects challenges in the hobbit mm. you know i have to do smog yeah i have to do bayorn's house i have to do um the whole thing with Gollum. Mm-hmm. um and just as a quick side note for people that are Gollum fans a really good friend of mine tyler can do a perfect andy circus like perfect (laughs) and so he is in the long expected soundscape in the background you know again not saying anything that's from the books but he's doing his golem thing hissing and stuff uh, in the so you'll hear him in your headphones and stuff as you're going and uh, how cool you hear him struggle at mount doom and and fall and uh you know little things like that Uh, really fun to put in there so i'm excited for those for the hobbit Um, and then i'm excited for the score for the silmarillion so Lots to do. That's amazing. <laughs> and I, that's exciting. I will say really quickly, just because I know there can be a lot of fandom overlap. Uh, I put up just yesterday. I put up the pre-order for the first. If anyone knows, a uh, Knight of the Seven Kingdoms, mm-hmm. the first of those short stories. The pre-order for that is up because I'm working on that right now. Uh, that's so, great. So, yeah, yeah, I saw I that. Start- I saw that on your website. That's so, yeah, that yeah, looks so, amazing. Yeah, I'm excited for that. And that, and in the background, I'm working on other stuff, you know, soundscapes for, it's just that not all of them maybe, I don't want to say deserve, that's not the right word, but not all of them work as a Kickstarter. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in the background, I've been working on the first Harry Potter. I've been working on, mostly working on the Song of Ice and Fire stuff and Wheel of Time. But it'd be cool to check out Dune, you know, it'd be cool to check out oh, yeah. the possibilities are endless. Dune. If mm-hmm. I could ever find enough fans that would be interested in 
Malazan, then I would do that. But, uh, <laughs> you know. We'll be there. <laughs> yeah. Jordan, you mentioned um, headphones, and I know that you do a lot of immersion work using like Dolby Atmos and like this 3D sound. Um, yeah. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? And maybe could we maybe hear and like, can we hear a little bit of, of, of maybe course. that example? Yeah, yeah. Um, so Dolby Atmos is kind of the norm now for delivering movies and shows, unless it's a you know a short film or a lower budget thing. It's it's always mixed in Dolby Atmos. Okay. And what that means is you have mono and then you have stereo and then people start doing 5.1 and 7.1 surround sound. And then Dolby Atmos is kind of the, for now, the top that you can get with that. And what it means is you can have individual sound objects. So I can put like the sound of one of Gandalf's fireworks and I can move it around you in 3D space. Wow. And it's wild. The awesome part about it is that the Dolby Atmos file kind of notices whatever your system is and decodes to that. So if you have headphones on, it's going to do something called binaural, which is simulated 3D. If you have a 7.1 setup, it'll do that. If you have a full Dolby Atmos setup with 11 speakers, it'll do that. If you have a, an iPhone, it'll do it at stereo. It'll, it can translate it to all these things and you don't have to do anything which is really cool. For my for my files, they're usually just in binaural stereo, which means that all you need is a pair of headphones and you'll get the full 3D effect. I'm also working on, and this is kind of something for people to note if they're interested in purchasing or backing the Kickstarter, is that I'm, it's not like long expected soundscape is done. I'm constantly updating things and you know, <laughs> releasing new versions. I just released the first two chapters at a double speed so that people that read faster can use them. Cool. Um, I'm introducing head tracking versions, which are if you have an iPhone and if you have AirPods, you can turn the head tracking on and you can kind of look around at, <gasps> as things are happening. So you imagine, <laughs> you know, when uh, when the Battle of the Pelennor Fields is happening and stuff like that, you know. Wow, that's so, so cool. So that's yeah, it's wild. constantly being updated. And as the technology gets better, I can just keep upgrading it. And people don't get charged for anything extra. They just get the new files. So, Wow. Um, That's amazing. That's a good deal. So, yeah. So Dolby Atmos is really, really awesome for that. And uh, yeah, it just makes it super easy because anyone with any set of headphones can get that 3D sense. And uh, so if you're listening to the podcast when we play these samples, you, I will say that if you try and play these binaural samples through a car setup or through your phone or whatever, normal speakers, even if you're one of those people that has fancy uh, studio speakers, it will not sound the way that it should mm. because mm -hmm. it's meant for headphones. What, what we're going to show is going to be meant for headphones. But yeah, if you get the actual files, you'll get ones that can be cross speakers or anything like that. So. Okay, good. So okay. listeners, everybody stop what you're doing, pull over to the side of the road, put on your <laughs> headphones if you're not wearing them. Yeah. <laughs> and we can check out some samples. Yeah, that would be amazing. All right, so I have I have three of them. Um, I'm just gonna get myself set up here. So we got three samples. The first one that I'm gonna start with is Treebeard, um, and this is at the tail. I'll give a little, you know, synopsis. Um, so this is Treebeard, and it's gonna be right at the end as the ants are marching, and uh, you, we will actually hear them stop their march, 
and uh, the wind will come up, and that's where it'll end. So let's uh, have a listen to this one. <laughs> I had so many emotions through that. I have goosebumps. And I was taking notes, which usually when I'm taking notes, I'm not feeling things. I'm just, you know, this is so good. Oh, my gosh. Jordan. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, I love the it. grumbling of the ch- of, of the 
the ants in the background. That really yes. is, uh, <laughs> it's just, it's so perfect for that, that chapter, but it just, yeah. it just fits so well. And it, yes. it's so like, it's exactly what you th- think it, it, it should sound like. It's mm. yes. great. Right? And that's it's a, that's a like... good example of, uh, those were, uh, people from the Kickstarter that did those things that, wow. did, those ant, that did those ant sounds. So um, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love that. I loved like the the layering that you did where, yeah, those voices that are sort of like a little bit sing-songy, but like obviously something's being sort of conveyed there. And then with the, like that sort of deep sort of rolling, it's not thunder. <laughs> is it footsteps? Is it drums? What <laughs> exactly. is it? Right? It's building <laughs> yeah. that tension. And then you get that like beautiful brass that comes in. Um, and yeah. you're like, oh, something's happening now. <laughs> and then also among the whole thing, you get those natural sounds. Like, I don't know if this is right, but I feel like I'm hearing leaves rustling or something to kind of show movement of the forest, which yeah, I yeah. love, right? Yeah, and, It's and so what, alive. What's cool about that, and, and you know, I wish we had a bit longer to show that sample, but you know, people can check it out. I think the whole March of the Ents is like, I mean, it's like 10 minutes long or something, mm-hmm. but the music doesn't come in until a bit later. So you do hear all the ants walking, you know, with you. Yeah, Ooh, um, cool. And it's really, really fun to to build that up to that final moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so, wow, yeah. that was <laughs> fantastic. Sample number one. Should we check out another? Yes, please. The second sample is the Black Gate. And this is a little bit different because we'll get some some bad guy music. This is uh, as the mouth of Sauron comes out. Ooh. So we're going to hear. Oh, Jude the... loves this one. Jude <laughs> I loves do this love one. the mouth of Sauron. It's yeah. true. So we'll hear the uh, we'll hear the black gate open, and after the horns go off, and then we will hear a a single rider come out, and uh, we'll hear his music, which is just just terrible. You know, <laughs> uh, and it's the kind of culmination of a lot of Sauron themes and and things like that that have happened. You know, again, you got to think about when we listen to the score for the movies, and you get to the very end, and we hear this variation of the Shire theme. You know, it means a lot because we've spent twelve hours with it. So, with this, when we're hearing this, to put everything in perspective, we've heard about. 40 hours worth of other music to bring us here. So, you know, some of these themes have been heard beforehand.
Ooh. That is very disconcerting. Whoa. <laughs> I just kept writing unsettling down. That's amazing. Wow. Uh, I, I felt I feel uncomfortable now. Perhaps yeah. that is what you were going for. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. The the sort of wheezing, groaning yes. animal noise at the end really uh seals the uncomfortable tone there. Uh, yeah, the, and the for horse me, the, that's not a horse. <laughs> yeah, the horse. And the um, for me, those insect buzzes because mm-hmm. that makes me feel creepy crawly. Like, oh, that was yeah. really good. And the chains and that mechanical kind of sound of the gate opening. Yeah. Where it's like, oh no, what? I don't want. I don't want to know because you hear on the wind those other voices at the beginning. You're like, I do not <laughs> want this gate to open. No, no, please <laughs> <Yeah>. stay closed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, question. Uh, yep. I assume. When you're doing horses, you use coconuts, uh, being as I have only ever, all I know about making horse sounds I learned from Monty Python. Do you use evil coconuts for an evil horse hooves or is there like a pre, pre, pre-produced just, sound effect for horse, just, evil just horse like hooves? Just ro- like rotted down uh, coconuts. <laughs> Mushy. The, the, the horses was a big undertaking, as you can imagine, for things yeah. like the Ride of the Roharam and things. Um, when the when the three hunters discover the riders for the first time, it is a lot of horse sound. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have I have different methods. I have you know just straight up horse samples that I've been using. Um, but I also have a plugin that allows me to play the horse hooves on my keyboard. Ooh, and you can cool. you can choose what you know is it on dirt? Is it on gravel? Is there medieval armor rattling is there things like this wow um and you know going back to the research thing that we talked about before some people might know who brett Devereux is he's a military historian who uh has broken down how helms deep battle works and you know all these things really really amazing guy um but i had a zoom call with him and we talked about what it would sound like how loud would grand be Nobody's wearing plate armor here, so you know Ugh. those. Wow. It's not like in the movies they wouldn't be wearing plate armor. He one of the big things he said was that you know archers don't do archer volleys. You know the whole pull and and oh, all shoot at yeah, the same yeah. time. It's it's too hard to pull it back and wait like that. So the arrows oh. are a lot more random than that. Um, yeah. So I had a good talk with him about things like that, and you know I sent wow. him the Pelennor Fields battle. And I was like, what do you think? Is, is Does this sound like it should? Because again, that was the big thing for, for Tolkien stuff is, does it sound like it should sound if we were there? Mm-hmm. And you have to kind of balance the, the movie sensi- sensibility in terms of not comparing it to the movies, but in terms of like it's a film experience essentially. Right. Yeah. Right. So a lot of decisions for things like that. But yeah, underneath it all is the realism. How do we, you know... Yeah. Grand is loud when we hear him, and uh, uh, but but awesome. So um, that's I have very one cool. more sample if you're if you're interested. Oh yes, yeah. please. That'd be great. <laughs> I tried to get samples that have different feels a little bit. It's hard uh-huh. because you know we don't get anything really hobbity. We don't get anything really evil uh, in these samples. Um, you know we don't get huge battles can't show everything but uh you know hopefully people are intrigued enough because for me it was always like 
you know, we listen to that little end bit. And then as soon as you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, but what about when they get to Welling Hall? What does that sound like? You know, what does it sound like when Pippin and Mary are with the orcs? You know, and your imagination starts to think about all these things after you've heard a taste of it, hopefully. And uh, yeah, there's a lot, a lot of, you know, every chapter has a, has a moment, you know, when Gollum first shows up, you know, and he's creeping down the the side of the rock there and Ooh, the yeah. rain is pouring and <laughs> stuff like that, you know, all this kind of stuff. So this last sample is particularly fun because it switches moods. We get to see a bit of a scene change. Uh, so this is when Sam is trying to find Frodo and the orcs are fighting each other and that doesn't go well <laughs> for them. Oh. And then Sam finds Frodo. So we hear the transition to that to that happening. That was lovely. <laughs> That's great. I wish we could get that one going a bit longer, but oh, that very visceral, like squelching <laughs> knife stick right there at the beginning <laughs> is good. Yeah, uh, those like driving yeah. footsteps, like making mm-hmm. you with those unsettling sounds right there, and then you get to that moment of the break and the tension, and you feel this like relief right yeah, through those yeah, beautiful yeah. strings and those major sort of soaring chords. You're finally like, oh, okay. I'm gonna be okay, my friend. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and yeah. that that piece of music there, uh, or that theme, the main melody theme there, um, just to give a little bit of a background, is that one's called Frodo Broken, oh. and um. we hear Frodo's proper theme um, in chapter one. We don't really hear it too much after that point. It's mostly this variation of Frodo that 
that we hear because it starts pretty early on that he starts to get affected. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that was a cool little moment. That chapter is really fun. That's book six, chapter one. Mm. Um, it was pointed sing. out to me recently about yeah. that chapter. Um, it's been a, a hot minute since I've read The Lord of the Rings as a novel and not a, you know, like book or not as like a research object. Right. And it was pointed out to me recently that uh, one of the funniest things about that chapter is that Frodo is dying up in this tower and he is basically saved because Sam, as in, in his hobbity way, can't resist going out with a song. <laughs> and Frodo, in his dying moments, is is a hobbit and therefore cannot resist joining the sing-along. And this Aww. is how Sam finds him. And I thought, it, it's been a while since I've read it. And I had to go back and look. And sure enough, that's like, what a hobbity, what a hobbity moment to so funny <laughs> to have their reunion, <laughs> uh, to have this you catastrophic moment driven by the hobbity urge to join us along. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. These were fantastic. I'm so thank you so much for presenting these to us and like no allowing problem. our listeners to get this little tantalizing piece. I want more now. <laughs> I need more. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention for people that are listening, um, if you, you know, if you search along expected soundscape on YouTube, my channel has the entire first chapter, the whole thing, start to finish. So you can check out a full chapter and see what that sounds like. Awesome. You can also check out, um, it has the full Bridge of Khazad Doom chapter as well. So if you want to hear two very different feels of what a chapter can sound like. You get to hear the Balrog and things. Ooh. Um, and, cool. And uh, yeah, so you can listen to those full samples if you want. And uh, yeah. We'll, we'll make sure to link to that and to all of your kind of social media outlets um, in our show notes for today. Um, awesome. Yeah. So we'll make sure that people can find you. Um, can you, as we sort of start to wrap up here a little bit, um, can you tell our listeners how they can find you on Kickstarter and when the last day is to make sure they right. don't miss it? Right, right. So if you search an unexpected soundscape or a soundscape of Aya, then they should both, uh, it's it's combined into one. So you should be able to find those, uh, but we can cool. put a link as well. Um, my website, jordanrenells.com has everything right there. Uh, I think it even pops up and says, go check this out. Yeah, so, it does. Yeah, that's so great. Cool. And we'll link um, to that as well. Yeah, we'll make sure that the show notes have have all these links as well. And we'll yeah. uh in our in our uh episode tweet, we'll make sure to Yeah, whatever you would call them now. Um Jordan's website also has a really cool merch on it. So definitely listeners make sure to check that out as well too. Um you've got like a page for your blog and testimonials and all kinds of cool stuff. So you have a great website. Um, <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, um, definitely check and that I, out. And in terms of uh, time, because yeah, this doesn't last forever. So yeah, when, when this comes out, um, there should be uh, more days. I think a week and two days, maybe nine days left. Mm -hmm. So it should end on the. Uh, let me just double check so I know for sure. It should I end. I believe on it's the, Friday the thirteenth of October. Yeah, Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. yeah. So that's the last day, and uh, like I said, you can get the. You can get a long expected soundscape and the uh, the new ones together on Kickstarter, which is cool. Um, 
Yeah, there's yeah. lots of great, there's lots of great, definitely watch the video listeners. There's lots of really cool tiers and opportunities mm-hmm. to like be involved. I also, I just love that if people want to, they can like step into these and, and be part of your project in different mm-hmm. ways, which is great. And to learn yeah. from you, which is really cool. So the, yeah. the people that did the, uh, added their voices really had, had a fun time. Uh, that's so awesome. I, that's amazing. Is there any, anything else you want to plug here at the end? Um, or just get over every everybody get over to that Kickstarter. Check yeah, it the out. Kickstarter is the the Kickstarter is the main thing. Yeah, for sure. I'm gonna get that to the finish line, and uh, yeah, I think that's it. But uh, you know, there's a newsletter area on the website, so if you wanna, you know, if you're interested in, like I said, I'm working on all these other things in the background. So my hope is that I'll have a well, I will have the first of the Song of Ice and Fire short stories finished for Christmas. But I'm also working on book one of the Wheel of Time. And, uh, you know, I'll be working on all those things in the background. So if you want updates on those, then uh, check out the newsletter. That's great. Definitely. That's great. Well, hey, Jordan, thank you so much for joining us on Atherbeth today. This has been amazing. Yeah. Thank you. It's been fun. The road may go ever on and on, but this episode is over. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review on iTunes as it helps increase our visibility and it's really good for our delicate egos. egos. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We got a really nice one recently. Someone from Oxenmoot left us a really delightful uh, review and we really appreciate you. Yeah. Uh, can Can I say their name? Please do. Their name is... Hopper three three three. So thank you so much for that amazing review. You're you're lovely, and um, I'm so I'm, we're so happy that you're here. Thank you for listening. Yeah, uh, you can find us on the web at www.podcast.atherbeth.com. You can find the show on Twitter. I won't call it the other thing. And B Sky and Instagram at atherbeth underscore cast or atherbeth.com in the case of B Sky. I can be found at Aramidic Jude or jude.atherbeth.com. Steph can be found at the North 4 or steph.atherbeth.com. James, who edits our episodes and makes us sound so good, can be found at Jay Pearson. You can find our guest, Jordan Reynolds, on his website, jordanreynolds.com, on Twitter at L-O-T-R Soundscape, on Instagram at Jordan Ellis Reynolds, and on YouTube at a long expected soundscape 514. We will put links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you, Jordan, for joining us today. The Kickstarter for An Unexpected Soundscape and the Soundscape of Aya ends on Friday, October 13th, 2023. So go back it. Uh, we both did. It's great. Yeah. You can find the link to that in the show notes, along with all of the rest of Jordan's socials and so forth. Jordan has given our listeners a promo code for 25% off the entire collection of A Long Expected Soundscape on his website. So head on over to jordanreynolds.com slash shop and enter the promo code LOTR25 to get 25% off the entire collection. This doesn't expire. So if you miss the Kickstarter, this is an awesome way to save on a fantastic product. 
So head on over to jordanreynolds.com slash shop and enter the promo code LOTR25 to get 25% off the entirety of a long-expected soundscape. Link is in the bio. Thank you, Jordan, so much for joining us today. You were fantastic. Title music is, as always, Lord of the Devil Rings by Pony Music, courtesy of Pond5. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening. Woo! All right, so uh, James, we're now going to do the intro and outro. Would you like I'll to intro start? your outro? Oh, <laughs> I don't know what that means, but it came out a lot dirtier than I planned. <laughs> I know, I liked it. Hey. <laughs> Woo. All right. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs>